I have the very great pleasure of welcoming businesswoman and mother Crona Byrne to the studio today. And Crona, there is one big question in my head, and I'm going to kick off with it. Gay Byrne is your dad. What's that like? Do you know, for me, like with everybody else, he is dad. Yeah. Um, just dad wasn't around a lot when we were younger because he was working. Generally, uh, we wouldn't see him literally until a Sunday because on a sa- Monday to Friday he was gone at just after seven o'clock and he'd get back at around seven, seven thirty in the evening. If it was an evening they were going out, he'd get home at 20 to seven, get showered and change and then they'd be in the car leaving to go to theatre or a function by ten past seven. When you say they, your mum Mum well. and himself. And then the late late in those days just when we were young was on a Saturday. So he would then Saturday morning, he'd get up, he'd do the walk of the hill, come home, have his lunch, have a chillax, go up, get ready. And he'd be collected around three o'clock to head into or to eat and he'd be gone. And did you miss him or did you want more time or was that just the way it was and you didn't notice? We didn't know a life different from that. That was our life from the way from very young. So there was no difference to our life. And how aware were you when you were little? You worked backstage. I mean, you were doing the toy show when you were six. But how aware were you of how important he was? I suppose I suppose for Susie and I, one of the big ones would be when Switzer's got with the days, when we'd come to see Santa on Christmas and suddenly all the people outside us start screaming for Gable and you're going, oh, hello, Dad, they want you. Like, you won- Yeah, you wonder what you people are thinking. Who they were. Yeah. And it was always when the Byrne family arrived, it was posing for photographs and everyone was like, oh, you're Crone. And you're going, OK, so you know me. OK, right. And did it bother you? Never bothered me. Never bothered me in the least. I actually enjoyed it. I loved the whole thing. When I, as I grew up, then I went on to work on the toy show and build all the toys ready for a studio. And after the show was over, I was involved in the distribution to the charities. And then when I was 15, 14, 15, I went on to become one of the staff in the hospitality of the Lake Late, which I went on for, oh, dare I say it, 15 years after till Dad retired. And did people, were you aware that people treated you differently than other kids that you knew? Oh, yeah. There, w- there would be with some people, some people there wouldn't. Some people were like, ah, oh, that's just gay and Kathleen's daughter. Others would be like, oh, my God, your father's like, holy God, in our house. And you're going, oh, whatever. Yeah, because I, sometimes I see if we're in town with Tommy and the kids are there and it's, it depends on the age, how, how they react differently. But I wonder, sometimes I wonder, are they a little bit uncomfortable with it? I never minded that. I enjoyed it all. I enjoyed, I suppose I enjoyed it because I enjoyed meeting all the people because I'm very much a people person. So if I was nudged out for a photograph, it's grand. I was talking to whoever was beside me. And... Of the people that you met back, I mean, it's pretty amazing to think of the people you were hanging out with as a young girl, Audrey Hepburn and Lauren Bacall and just incredible. And were you like, uh, you were used to being around well-known people, but was when that big Hollywood No, Audrey Hepburn was mine. Audrey Hepburn meeting her was just like phenomenal. Why was that so big? I think because I'd always watched... um, her movies and suddenly here she is standing in front of me and it's like oh my god picture perfect is literally picture perfect really on and off screen and she was just so charming but do you know what there was none of this fuss about her as there has been with other actresses on the late late um go on go on (laughs) there's a great face (laughs) (laughs) um one of the people i have to say for me 
uh, to deal with Lauren Bacall was absolutely appalling. I'd imagine she was, she was very demanding. And then you always hear that Joan Collins is very demanding. She actually was quite the opposite. She was so easygoing and just so lovely. But she's tiny. Teeny, yeah, a lot of you those know, stars see, are teeny yeah, weeny. You but you think she's larger people. than life when you see her on screen yeah, and stuff, but she's pads. actually quite small. <laughs> um, but Audrey Hepburn, back to her, on the day on The Late Late, Kathleen, who used to do the teas and coffees on The Late Late. Not uh, your mother now. No, not my mother. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no, no. She's at home ready to watch and analyse poor Gabriel <laughs> Mary at all his work. But she, um, she had gone out to wash cups and people were queuing up for teas and coffees. And Audrey went over and took over and started pouring them their teas and coffees and giving them sandwiches. And people were sitting in the chairs going, oh my God, that's Audrey burn surfing me. And she just did it. It was natural to her. And we, we got a beautiful letter from her after, handwritten by her, saying how much she'd loved being at the show and how much she enjoyed mixing with all the audience. Normally, a lot of people keep her away in a dressing room. But we, of she course, got to be normal, at yeah. the late late, it's like you're yeah. home from home and she got to meet everybody so it was great and what did she say to you do you remember oh I just kept getting hugs and kisses I was really? just delighted I was in my element one of the things that really struck me and hit me in my gut when I read it was that when you were pregnant mm. somebody broke into your house oh ransacked my. your house <laughs> took it actually is a lot wedding jewellery took a gift Audrey Hepburn had given you? Our robbery took a whole different thing because, first of all, I'd had a miscarriage seven months earlier. Right. So I was only 19, 20 weeks pregnant on Kate. So it was we were still in, are so we all scared. right, safe territory. Yeah. Um, we were down in the lounge. Our house is a long house. It's not a white house, but it's a long house. Um, the burglars were in the bedroom while we were in the lounge. And when we locked up to go out that evening... <laughs> locked the burglars into the walk-in wardrobe. <laughs> You're kidding me. No, no. And then, oh God, when we... Now, did they let you do that because they oh, wanted no. to be left no, in the house? Better. No, that's like something we from got a home. We got home movie, at nine o'clock. It? We watched TV till like 11 before I was zonking it and went down to bed. And they're still in the walk-in wardrobe? Got ready for bed, walking around beautifully butt naked, pregnant and not realising that one or two fellas are still in my wardrobe and they apparently is the, the guards say the only way they figured it is that the guys God, the guys came in and out <laughs> I'm mortified the guys um, they sprayed a sedative into our bedroom to knock us out because they actually rifled through the drawers of our bedside lockers while we were sleeping in bed wow. Phil brought down his phone that night going to bed and they actually stood in it and smashed it beside the bed and, you and like you'd wake up and hear that I if I hear a pin drop a there, apparently there was at that time stuff out but Jesus I get stuff for the kids not, yeah. no but they were actually climbing in and out the bedroom window beside us all night we didn't realise it and in the end I had got up four times during the night to close the window so this shows how long they were about and finally when I got up at seven I said to Phil would you just sort out the bloody locket obviously it got broken when we were moving in there's a problem he took it off and he goes down he's banging and I come out now I've walked across the carpet to go have my shower I walk back and I realise hmm why is my marriage cert sitting in front of the floor in front of me and why is my purse suddenly strewn all over the floor so I go up what are you doing with my wallet Philip what did you need in it he said I haven't been near your purse and I just, you know, that God. kind of feeling of dread. And I walked down to the bedroom and whatever way I turned, the safe was gone. 
The whole safe? The safe. They actually, we had two small safes. One with our own, with jewellery, etc. And one with all the bits from the late, late. The last script. Sarah, oh the Duchess of York's pen. Um, Audrey Hepburn had given me a... a I think she had drawn a gift, um, stuff like that from people. So I looked for the other safe and it was gone. One safe was found at the bottom of the drive. We have electric gates and our, they had climbed the wall. Wow. <laughs> and there actually was the footprints down the garden. So it turns out anyway, they had been in the house for nearly 12 hours on and off with us. Did they take your wedding jewellery? They took everything. I took off my wedding jewellery that night. Because um, your hands were swollen? or it, yeah. I always take them off going right. to bed. I never oh, wear you? my rings in bed. And I took them off and they were taken. Um, Mum and Dad, through the years, had always bought us a piece of jewellery for our birthday or whatever. Um, because Dad's view was, if ever times get tough, you'll you have something use to use yeah. to go on. And uh, every last piece gone. Ah, Lord, yeah. really? Yeah. Now, they didn't even take the husband. Like, if they took him, okay, I wouldn't do it. But no, what bothered you the most it. about what was taken? Was there one um, thing that you thought, that's really, okay, I could deal with everything else, but that, was it your wedding There was jewelry? a couple of pieces taken, and ironically, a couple of pieces that Russell Murphy, dad's accountant, that yes, mislaid yes, dad's yes. funds. Right. Um, had, it wasn't him in the house. Was well, see, Russell was my godfather. No, he wasn't Russell a burglar, had died. Though, no. no, he no. died in '88. So that's how we found out everything oh, was okay, gone. Right. But ironically, five of the pieces, the good pieces, were actually his right. that he had given me as I, when I was small, and they were the ones that were stolen. Right. And how has that changed? How safe you feel? Are you still living in the same house? But do you know this is? It's a bit ironic. You're saying this. We were only talking about this the other night. A friend of mine, um, who will remain nameless, Olive Foley, um, <laughs> I love that. went down to her gate uh, yesterday and Olive noticed on her postbox oh, no. the X, which is a sign where they're marking the driveways or the entrances for people to rob houses. The X is like gophers, it's a ready house. So they're arming up with everything at the moment. But I Never went home again. and I'm lying in the bed <laughs> saying to Phil, you know, do you feel safe in this house? Now, we don't, we walk in the door in the evening, we alarm. Like we alarm the kids in at night. Over the last couple of weeks, this is where I sound totally deranged, there's been a smell the odd night from outside of somebody smoking a cigarette and it's been coming in our bedroom window. And Phil hadn't said it to me because he didn't want to spook me. So now when you're going to bed at night, what are you thinking? What's in your head? I'm thinking, basically like... We've done our best. The children are protected. The alarm's on. What more can we do? A couple of days before it, I said to Phil, as we walked up to the front door, I said, do you get the feeling there's somebody's eyes on you watching? And Phil was like, oh, God, you and your pregnancy hormones, you're off the rock with them. And I said it to the guard on the morning of the investigation and I showed, took the guard over and I said, I could swear there was someone in that corner. She said, well, let's look. And we went over and there's five cigarette butts on the ground. Where they had been watching us from there. So from then on, he didn't slag me again. Pregnancy hormones. Hmm. How many pregnancies did you have? In total, five. Three miscarriages and two beautiful children. And were the miscarriages before Kate? One before Kate and two between Kate and Harry. Right. And were they early on? Mm. They were all early on. But, you know... I know it sounds terrible as much as I wanted children it happened for a reason and there was no point lamenting we had to go forward 
we I couldn't spend my time thinking, oh, this pregnancy, this pre I just put myself into the frame of mind. It happened for a reason. And that I have to move forward. What kind of mum are you? Ooh. Ooh. I'm a strict mum. Me too. But a bit of a pushover at times. Me too. Uh, we'll say you can't have a treat and bring them to the shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, bedtimes don't really work in our house. Oh, really? Oh, God, I'm like bedtime police. Um, they don't really work. Um, I suppose my two kids were so ill when they were so young and only in the last year and a half, Harry's improving. Both my kids are resuscitated cot deaths. Kate six times, Harry four times. So um, for that reason, kind of, it kind of their bedtimes were always kind of disruptive anyway between their apnea alarms going off and stuff. That's unbelievable. Mm. It, can you explain to me? They both have apnea. Right. And is it something that can be treated or is it something you just have to go through terrifyingly every night? Well, Kate's growing out of it more and more. Harry Harry did it there a couple of weeks ago when I went into him. He was getting very cold. So a quick old shove and he'd go. But then how do you breathing. sleep again? How do you, know do you what? sleep? You just you... have to get on with it. You've do, done as much as you physically can with them. We had them on an apnea monitor for the first, uh, Kate for the first 18 months, Harry for the first 18 months also. Harry then went on Kate is still waiting for her sleep study test, although she's been on the list for two years. Harry was on it for six months and got called for his sleep study and he was diagnosed immediately. And that was just from the home sleep one. They didn't even have to bring him to hospital because the, it was so obvious, his charts. And is it the structure of their nasal cavity no. in their throat? And their, well, see, Harry's a different makeup to Kate. They're both asthmatics as well. But Harry had was born, <laughs> again, our medical system at times, you wonder. Um, Harry when he was very small, kept coughing up and vomiting violently. And the doctor said, oh, you're being a fussy mum. And I was like, of all people who's been a nanny and worked with children for 20 years, I am not fussy. I'm most lax around kids, probably. And I said to him, uh, there's something wrong. And we left the hospital. And two days later, the vomiting was back. So I brought Harry back and he was saying to me after 24 hours, time for you to go home. Look, fussy mum, there's nothing we can do. And I said, we're not leaving until the ENT specialist sees him because when Harry gets upset you heard this noise like a strider going <laughs> in his throat Okay. and this was going on and on and the doctor said oh, yeah, I've heard it a few times but maybe he's a dry throat or sore throat and you're thinking you're beginning to think are you demented mm. you really are mm. so I went down to the ENT guy and this junior doctor saw us and he said no the baby doesn't have a strider and out of the back room came the professor and he said ah we have a baby with the strider. <laughs> You're looking from one doctor to the other. And the junior doctor said, no, he doesn't. And Fenton, Professor Fenton said, oh, he most definitely does. Actually, wait, I have to make a call. And he dials, took up the phone, dials the number and he goes, get the ambulance from Cork now. We have a baby to transfer to Crumlin. And you're standing there going, that's my baby. And he's five weeks old. So the junior doctor, he told him he needed to go and learn how to um, look at patients' throats properly. And uh, an hour and a half later, we were on the road with blue lights going to Crumlin with Harry's oxygen levels plummeting all the time. And the ambulance driver with us didn't know how to resuscitate a baby, had never travelled with the small baby. I had learned how to do the oxygen levels. I was doing it on the way up in the ambulance. I'm getting shivers even just um, listening to... We get to Crumlin anyway, and within an hour, the team have come to me and said, you're a right mum. And I said, why? And he went, without you, that child would be very sick. And I said... He's got a strider. He said, 
definitely. I said, okay. He's got a collapsed larynx. Did you know that? Wow. I said, no. I said, will he grow out? But he said, hopefully. And Harry was born with the collapsed larynx. So any food, if he drank it too quickly, was lodging in his throat. And that's why he was vomiting, because the flap in his throat was caught under. Right. Because it hadn't time to form. So uh, anyway, he flashed on to him this summer and they checked his throat again. And his tonsils were so big, they're blocking his airways. So he's had them out. But he still has had an apnea episode since then, two of them. And you just have to wait Mm. until things change physically for him. How have you coped with that amount of fright being a mother? Do you know what? You have to go with your gut instinct. You have to fight your corner. Mm -hmm. And you have to hope that someone is going to believe what you're saying to them. And that's very firmly what happened with Harry. Um, As a mother coping, you have to get on with it. Because if you don't, you will become a nervous wreck. Mm. And just, you can't do that. We have businesses to run. I have a crash with 60 kids. I can't sit back and start wallowing in self-pity. My son has apnea. No, I have to move forward. I'm lucky that he doesn't have the apnea, that he has these mad episodes that has to be rushed to hospital. Mm. He is one that we can bring him back around ourselves. And that's what we've done on most of their resuscitations. And how long does it take when if a child with Harry and Kate has been quite quick? Gen- what they what they were saying in America was that with the apnea attacks, what it is is that the children are breathing in oxygen, but they can't exhale the carbon monoxide that they're trying should be expelling. So it's ge- building up, and that's what puts them knocks them out. Wow. Mm. Wow. Well, I've huge admiration for how you're dealing with it because I think I would probably be the nervous wreck, you know. You might think that, but when it's when you're put up against it, you get on with it. There's a lot more children Ill, iller and a lot worse off out there. Because a friend of mine had a baby a few weeks ago and her baby, she had to carry a baby that she knew would only survive half an hour after being born for 22 weeks. That's shocking. It is shocking, yeah. For somebody to have to go through that physically and mentally. So when you do have kids that are healthy, Mm. in your case, for the most part, they're healthy. You know, they're outside this morning jumping around and they're great. Harry's a lunatic. Kate's a princess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely. Look, they're happy. They're healthy. We'll get through it no matter what. You're adopted. I am indeed. And your sister is adopted. That's right. And when did you find out or were you always aware or we always so aware. there wasn't always a moment where you no. were sat down and no, there wasn't. and what what did it mean to you as a child I suppose when you hit your teens there was a bit of confusion as to your identity yeah why wasn't my natural mother there to bring me up now my parents getting Kathleen are 100% my parents mm. without a doubt but they're why were you given up yeah why did there there has to be and with everybody, there would be some form of what, why, how did this happen? Did you ever no. think of contacting or looking for, why not? No, I've just had no reason to. It's an individual thing. Yeah. Did your much. sister? No. No, never. We we both have two parents that we love and, you know, they very much are our parents. But I think mum had been ill when she was younger. She had had one of these mad illnesses. I can't even think of what it was. 
um, and she had it and I think from then she knew she wouldn't be able to have children. And is there any way that you think being adopted affects the relationships you have in your family, like with your husband or your children? Was having children of your own extra important to you? It was always very important to me to have kids of mine. Absolutely. I've always wanted kids. And I don't know, is it because of the adoption or whatever? But I've always, I suppose my life has always been children. Mm. Because I've worked as a nanny, as a governess. I run a creche. So through the years, my life has always been children. So I suppose I wanted my own then. And this whole thing of being, because you guys, you work together, which is interesting. That's a whole area. Myself and Phil. Yes. How do you manage that with? We're together 24-7. How do you manage that again? It's tough. I mean, it's tough at times, but I suppose that's been us from day one. I mean, we met on a blind date at dinner. He thought he was there to make up numbers. I knew he was my blind date. He and the people who had hosted the dinner came to my house the following week for dinner and Phil didn't leave. You were engaged, engaged for six, in six we were weeks. six weeks later, married That's like 11 Kardashian months later. like Kardashian speed engagement. Yeah. That kind of thing. Although they'd probably be married by then. But you were married in 11 months. 11 months later, yeah. Wow. We married the year mum and dad turned 40. It was their 70th birthdays and they were married 40 years. And we got married and Susie had the first grandchild. Are you very good at making decisions? I I either go for it or I don't. You come across as a very strong, formidable, (laughs) you know, I know what I'm at, I know what I'm doing. I think I have to be between between everything we've been through and between running our businesses. I think you have to make that decision and go with it all the time. But you're also very, there's a very soft side. Oh, there is a very soft side. So where where do the where your where are the weaknesses apart from giving in to the kids going to the shop? Where is the where are you giving too much and it's kind of taken its toll a little bit? I gave too much with friends that weren't really friends. They were only people who wanted to be there because of who I was. That's tough. It's very tough. And have you had a little bit of that all through your life where you it kind has of... It's been all through my life. Bitterness if I didn't bring people to the toy show. Yeah, that's tough. Turning classmates it? on me for not bringing them to the toy show. What am I going to do? Stick them in a gummy beer outfit and leave them at the back of the set? Well, obviously, that's what you... Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, if we didn't invite... Some people didn't talk to us for not inviting them to our wedding. But they're they're not friends then, really. Exactly. Well, somebody said to us coming up to our wedding when we were deciding who to bring, have you been to that person's house? Mm. And if you haven't been, they're not friends. Because you only go to visit your friends. That's true. So do you keep a very small circle of the people who have been through all that stuff with you? Are you very careful now about letting anybody else in? There's a certain few that will be the tight knit and then there's some that are just outside that. And I suppose as we're getting older, the friends are changing because of the kids. Yeah, it's nice too. You get new people. And we have new people coming into our lives and I love that. Do you feel very protective of your parents? I would be very protective over them. You seem to be. You have to be. Mm. Because everyone wants a piece of dad. Everyone. Well, I particularly want I know all that, of him. but you have a thing about dad. I do, yes. And, you know, he'll happily swap you with mum. Absolutely, absolutely. And Tommy can take mum on any time. <laughs> Good luck. But, um, you know, that's because you don't invade their space. There's some people who will, they tell a fabulous story of 
at a dinner party one evening with Peter Ustinov and there was mum and dad. As you do. Two others and Peter, or mum and dad and Peter Ustinov <clears> at dinner <throat> in a restaurant. And that suddenly they noticed this woman. This chair was inching back <laughs> closer and closer. And Peter just turned around and went, why didn't you just turn the chair and join us finally? And she bloody did. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, Where's she come from? Mm. But people don't understand. Well, with your dad, there's probably a sense of ownership <coughs> of him. Oh, I there think is. the country feels like they own him. And and I I was thinking about it as well recently, and I was thinking they're kind of like the way the Americans hold up the Kennedys, you know, John F. and all of well, that. Some of my friends the refer Byrne to him family, as their granddad. Well, yeah, it is kind of like the Irish royal family a little yeah. bit, you know. And, um, and I know your mum's not terribly public person but there'd be a great amount of respect and love for them both you know there would be but mum had her own career for so long and then she went on to become a member of the arts council for 10 years Mm. and then she came back with uh faces and places and toured the country and now she's touring again and now she's back touring with dad but see she's the surprise in the middle of his show and a lovely surprise a very very nice surprise and she told me that poetry seems to evoke emotions in her that she never experienced when she was performing as a singer and a harpist. She said she comes off stage and she really feels something from mm. reading the poetry but she, but that she's reading. But she's always reading. loved poetry. You're guaranteed you were doing really well at Christmas if you gave her a good poetry book. Right. Always. But you had to beat her to the shop for it. Thank you very much for coming and talking to me today. No problem at I all. I think we'll have a cup of tea now, will we? I think we will. All right.